Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. I know that uh, most of us painstakingly planned and worked towards finding the perfect gifts to give to our loved ones. Can you relate to that? Did you work hard preparing that perfect, you know, that, that special gift or... Maybe you worked hard by purchasing that gift card that was matched with great love, but maybe not as much selection. Um, But let me ask you this. In the past four weeks leading up to Christmas that we've been celebrating as this Advent season, we're not a very liturgical bunch here, but we've been celebrating Advent, which reminds us of the coming of Christ as well as the return of Christ. Someday coming. So as we've ramped up the last four weeks and we've shared this, this series called Moments, this morning I've titled this Miraculous Moments. Can you just reflect back in the last four weeks of one or two miraculous moments that you've experienced? Um, one comes to my mind for me just recently. My granddaughter from Chicago was in town. She's 18 months old. Any time we get a chance to see our dear Violet is a miraculous moment for me. How about you? What were some of the miraculous moments that that you had? Can you just think of one that you can give thanks to God for? Let me ask a different question. As you painstakingly thought about all the people that you loved and the gifts that you were going to share with them, what gift did you prepare to give to the coming Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Did you get so busy with all the other trappings of Christmas That as the song said, to prepare our hearts to give him room as heaven and nature sings. Today's message is this last Sunday of the calendar year. We're going to do a little looking back and a little looking forward. We're going to look at it two ways. Reflecting on this Advent season and, and also this idea of looking forward to living out the incarnational presence of God. Are we aware of the miraculous moments that we're experiencing? God wants to to draw us closer to that. So, you know, one of the greatest joys to come out of Christmas is the realization that God is truly with us. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, the scripture tells us that God is never far away. Even when we breathe the Lord's name in prayer, the touch of the Spirit is unmistakable. So when we need hope and assurance, it's nothing short of miraculous how the Lord always finds a way of showing up that he is there where we need him. This morning, I want you to recognize that he is here, right here with us. Uh, Pray with me again just as we begin. God, we're reminded through the songs this morning, through the scripture, through the Advent season, that you truly are with us. And I pray that if our spirits are sleeping this morning, if we're somehow hungover from Christmas, that you would awaken us with a freshness and a reality of your presence, of your power, of your love, of your grace and mercy, in every way that you want us to see that and experience it. Lord, maybe it's through the message this morning. Maybe it's through the music. Maybe it's through the offering. Maybe it's through a cup of coffee and a warm glance and a look from a friend. Or maybe even a comforting word from a stranger. 
Whichever fashion that you choose to use today, Lord, we just pray that you would awaken us to your presence, the fresh presence of you and your word. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we consider the sweeping meta-story of Scripture, it culminates in the most historic and traumatic event in all of human history, the incarnation of God in human form in a place we now know as Bethlehem. We know the story so well, the babe in the manger, the shepherds in the field, the wise men, the heavenly hosts, the long-awaited promise of the Christ child. This incarnational moment has been called the very hinge of history. God coming to dwell with men. No other person in all the world's history, in the history of mankind, has so shaped the world as Christ. Now, the story of Jesus Christ has rightly been called the greatest story ever told. They even made a movie called that. But, you know, sometimes I think we might know the story just too well. We become too familiar with it. We've heard it so many times and seen it commercialized in in so many ways that it's difficult for us to truly hear it with without our 21st century filters. Yet, the announcement of his birth comes as a sunburst of joy to a world where grief and pain are known to all and joy, it seems, when it does come doesn't stay around very long. I know this past year has been um, a grief-filled year for me. Earlier this year, one of our uh, longest and most experienced employees with our staff at WARM, uh, 50-some years old, healthy, vibrant young woman, was um, diagnosed with um, leukemia right out of the blue. She had been suffering from some congestion for two or three months and finally went to the doctor and discovered that she had leukemia. Now, the good news is um, that she's gone through treatment and she's well on her way to recovering. Um, But what a great loss for our team because she was no longer in in the capacity to be able to work with us. And we, we, we lost our most seasoned employee. Well, then, just two weeks before Christmas or excuse me, before Thanksgiving, we had another one of our long-term employees, Diane, who had been with us over 10 years, who died suddenly in a household accident. She was cleaning her leaves and she fell off her roof and broke her neck and and never recovered. It was was just tragic. Our whole staff is is still grieving her loss. It's, um, well, you know, and then... Maybe it's not that distant. Uh, Friday, Friday, I was um, just coming into the office and I was picking up trash on the parking lot, and I and I just happened to pick up this this piece of paper, and it was all folded up. So I just you know before I threw it out, I don't know what instinctively made me open it up to read it, but it was this letter found in our parking lot, and it said, "This, I want Dad to leave because every time you guys fight." I'm scared that he will hit you again. And he's starting to be mean to me and my brother. He thinks I forgave him for what he'd done in front of me. He's making me feel unsafe in my own home. Please make him leave. Then there's a P.S. and it says, P.S. Don't show dad. 
kind of joy is this young man experiencing or this young lady experiencing? The grief, the tragedy is um, all around us in this world. It's difficult. And I know that many of you have similar stories of, of hard things in your life this past year. And, you know, it, it challenges us to, to recognize that it's all the more reason why we need to keep Jesus as the, the central focus, the real reason of our hope and our faith, both now in and out of season, regardless of, of what the season holds. Now, this morning, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, what the gospel says about the coming of Christ. The four gospel accounts describing the coming of the Messiah and the birth of Christ are as unique and as different as the writers themselves. In, in Matthew's gospel, the first gospel listed in the New Testament, in verse 18, chapter 118, it begins by saying that these are the facts concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. He, before that, had gone through the lineage leading up to the birth of Christ. And then he says, here's the facts. Here's, here's some of the summaries. And he goes on to describe that. And then in uh, verse 21 and 23, he says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from, his, from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then chapter 2 of, of uh, Matthew's gospel goes on. A listing his birth and the visiting of the Magi, the kings that came, and the realization of the many dreams and, and the prophetic fulfillment that comes through through Christ's birth. Now, Mark's gospel is, is kind of interesting because it mentions Isaiah's prophecy in verse 2 in chapter 1 that contains no description of Christ's early life. It doesn't really talk about the birth or reference it at all. He, he talks a lot more about Jesus in his later life. And then if we look at John's gospel... And do a comparison there. Jesus is first described as the light of the world. The first nine verses in John chapter 1 describes Christ as the coming light of the world. And then in verse 14, John tells us how God is revealed in a human package, how he comes in human form. He writes, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. I want you to notice, he says that he's full of grace and he's full of truth. If you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to understand something. Christ, in whatever form you know him, is always full of grace and full of truth. And that is something that we should be rejoicing in every day. You talk about a miraculous moment, is that we have this Christ, Jesus, who is always full of grace and truth. Now, Luke's account is probably the most intimate and personal description of the birth of Christ. Chapter 1 covers much of the virgin pregnancy, and then chapter 2 reveals the shepherd's account of, of, Christ, of the Christ child's birth. Um, do me a favor. You, you, look a little, uh, you look a little bored there, so stand with me, will you? Let's read this portion of Scripture together. Will you stand and just honor the, the reading of Scripture this morning together as we read the Gospel? It's going to be up on the screen um, Jacob, can we have that first verse? We're going to read, um, we're going to read the, the, the birth of Christ that starts in Luke chapter 2, the first 20th verses. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census took with the governor of Syria, and everyone went to his town to register. So Joseph went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea 
to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. You with me there? Verse 5. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While we were there, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. The story continues with the shepherds and the angels. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. These folks had a miraculous moment, didn't they? I mean, God in real time showed up, and, and uh, this was a, that was a power movement. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men for whom, on whom his favor rests. These booming voices. Man, I, I bet you some of those shepherds had to go change their robes after, after that happened. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Go ahead, you can be seated. Thanks. You see, the joy the angels bring in this account to the awestruck shepherd is not some religious emotion. It's real. They experience the presence of God through the heavenly host in real time, firsthand. That was a miraculous moment. You see, instead it was and is a state of lasting gladness, proclaiming that Christ the Lord is born. And it brings with it an overwhelming sense of well-being to all that hear the announcement. You see, the birth of Christ tells the world something. That he should be born in a, a born of a woman to make himself of no fame and being found in the fashion of a man to humble himself even to death on a cross. This is a fact so meaningful, uh, a truth so powerful that it's really beyond our conception, isn't it? It's really mind-blowing when you, when you try to piece it all together intellectually and really think about it. Yes, Christ's coming tells the world something. It declares it clearly and it establishes it undeniably. But, but what exactly is it? What does the Advent sees us tell us? Well, it tells us several things. And so let's just take a closer look. First off, it reveals to us that God is real. God is real. Now, I know that most of us say that we believe this, but do we really live like it's true? Do our daily actions, do our attitudes, do the efforts and, and the way we treat people and treat one another really, really manifest that we really believe that God is real? 
Now watch out, Scott. I know I'm pushing you a little bit. Now, let's assume for a second, because you, um, you sacrificially came to church on a Sunday morning, the last day of the year, to say that, you know, in, in the crowd today, most of us believe that God is real. Yes? It, okay. So we ascend to that. So if, if, if that's true, um, if, if God is really real to us, then um, we can assume some things. You see, on that day, the scriptures say that the heavens were open and another world came in that was beyond their normal view, their natural view. A message came from beyond the familiar and the natural world of nature. The celestial host said, glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Now, the shepherds, they knew the pastures, the, the fields they were very familiar with. But now they hear from God in heaven above. What a mystical moment. The earthly world and the world above, the temporal and the eternal, the physical and the spiritual, the natural and the supernatural, all of a sudden at this moment come into one. And, and, and it blends into this joyous excitement. And to the point where the shepherds, I'm sure, couldn't distinguish one from the other. What was natural? What was supernatural? What was going on? I'm sure they really had some interesting talk at coffee break the next day as to what they had really experienced. And so no wonder they ran in haste. They ran to see him who had come from above. To them, God was no longer a, a hope or a desire that he, might, that, that he might someday be. To them, he was real. So let me ask you, is God real to you? Is God real to you? Is God real to you. Today, is God real to you? Are you experiencing miraculous moments because God is real to you? So, again, let's assume that we all say, yes, Scott, God is real to us. Then we can go on to the second thing that we come to know through Advent, and that is that in essence, then, our human life is essentially spiritual. There's this spiritual dimension to our life. When Christ became man through a virgin's birth, the fact that man's divine origin is confirmed beyond question. You see, God could not incarnate himself in a, in a being that was just holy flesh. For God and man to unite, they must be to some degree like each other. It, it has to be so. And although the incarnation may raise some questions, it answers so many more. The ones really that it raises are speculative. The ones it settles are deeply moral and extremely important to our very souls. Our creation and identity and the image and likeness of God is one of the questions it settles by affirming it positively, unquestionably. And the Advent proves it to be a literal fact. Now, another fact the Advent illustrates is that God indeed spoke through the prophets. That Christ was born in Bethlehem was just one of many prophecies fulfilled by his coming. So difficult, think about this, so difficult was the Old Testament gamut the Messiah must run to validate his claims that the possibility of anyone being able to complete it is impossible. Yet, Jesus did it. Through Christ's birth, the Old Testament becomes actually alive. 
This is evident when you do a comparison between the Old and New Testaments. You know, I know most of us don't realize that there are over 400 prophecies in the Old Testament which point to the coming of the Messiah, that talk about his life, that talk about his death and subsequent resurrection. Over 400. And Jesus Christ perfectly fulfilled every single one of them. Jesus is confirming his coming, his coming confirms the accuracy of the Old Testament scriptures. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Now there's a couple other things that we want to see here that the Advent shows us. A fourth thing we see through the Advent season is that man is lost, but we're not abandoned. The coming of Christ to the world tells us both of these things. Now, I just want you to think about it for a second. Had mankind not been lost, no Savior would have been required. And had we been abandoned, no Savior would have come. But he did come. And it plainly confirms God's great love and his concern for each and every one of us. For even though we have sinned away every shred of merit, still God has not forsaken us. Again and again we see in Scripture, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. As we see in Luke 19, verse 10, the Bible tells us, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We were lost but never abandoned. Christ came. Now, Advent also points to the great hope and expectation that we have as the human race. More than just rescuing us, God in Christ, when he took human nature unto himself, became one of us. I'm almost at a loss of words, but you're lucky I'm not really. God becoming one of us is just an amazing thing that we can never comprehend. The prophet Isaiah speaks of this. We shall call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He becomes one of us. The person of Christ in fleshly form, known as the Son of God and the Son of Man came out from heaven to be one of us that he might relate to every emotion, every thought, every feeling, every experience that we've ever had because he lived in human flesh. Wow. Now there's just, um, there's two other essential Christian truths are established through the Advent that I wanted to touch on this morning and and that directs our attention to, to look forward. Um, oftentimes we think of Advent and, and the Advent wreath and the candles as this preparation for the Messiah coming. And we, we culminate it it, 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 it crescendos with Christmas. But the Advent season also talks about us looking forward. So we look in the past, we look in the present, God with us now. But it also points us to the future because Scripture tells us that Christ is coming again. And that's the challenge for us. Are we living like he's coming back? So, so what does that look like? Well, one is that this world is not the end. Advent tells us that. 
And the other is death as we know it will someday be abolished and eternal life and immortality will hold sway. That's the whole focus of our, of our hope is that this isn't it, baby. There's a lot more to come. Throughout his life, Jesus spoke with cheerful certainty about the world to come. He reported on things that he had seen and that he had heard in heaven. And uh, he talks even about the many mansions that are waiting for us. So we're both made physical and spiritual. And as surely as we now inhabit this physical dimension, go ahead and touch your neighbor. There's a physical dimension here that we live in. We also live and dwell in a spiritual dimension that points us to eternity. If you think about it on planes, you know, we live in this physical dimension. But there's also a spiritual dimension that we live in. I'm not talking about airplanes. I'm talking about these these planes. Are you with me? If you're with me, shake your head. Okay. You're going to be more enthusiastic about the football games this afternoon and the mini bowl games. So let's just make sure that you're staying with me here, okay? So we operate on those two planes, but sometimes we don't recognize it. We get kind of locked into this physical plane because life is hard and we, we experience grief and it's difficult and those kinds of things. But, but, but Christ's coming and his coming again reminds us that we don't just dwell in a physical dimension, but that we are spirit. And that and the spirit comes alive in us to empower us to live differently than just this physical dimension. And it's a good thing for all of us. First John 3.8 tells us, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And, and just think about it. What more terrible work has the devil accomplished than to bring sin into the world and death by sin? But now, now scripture says, life is made obvious. It's clear, it's plain, it's evident, and it's unmistakable by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has formally put an end to death and brings eternal life and immortality to light through the truth of his gospel. The good news of Christ coming. I want you to look around this morning. Go ahead, look around. You can look behind you. It's okay to look around in church. Look around. You see, God is here. Yes, Christ has been born, but he has also risen and the Holy Spirit has poured out himself on us from heaven. And, and you know, we know this to be theologically true. We understand that with our intellect. But now remains for us to turn this truth into joyous spiritual experience by faith, by love, and by obedience. Oh, Scott, I like that faith thing. That, that's, a, that's an important aspect. And I love, love, love the love thing. God loves me and has a perfect plan for my life. I love that part. The hard part comes with the O word, doesn't it? And I don't mean OSU. I mean obedience. There's a response for us as his people to experience these miraculous moments in the reality of Christ. And it takes us to cooperate and to participate with how he's made us, who he's made us to be, how we're to live out and how we're to experience and how to love him. Faith, love, obedience. 
See, the prophecy was fulfilled. The Son of God was born in a manger. But the story doesn't end there. It didn't all finish at Christmas. As a matter of fact, it just gave us a really good start. It is fulfilled again and again as we allow the Savior to be born in us. As we allow the Spirit of God to be manifest in us, expressing Christ's presence and love and life in a real way, in real time, to people that we deal with every day, our family, the people that we work with, the people we go to school with, whether we like them or not, Christ in us, Scripture says, is the hope of glory. Christ manifests in us. Think about it this way. It's Jesus with skin on him. You might be the only presence of Jesus that people ever experience and see as you call yourself this thing we know as Christian. God in us, revealed in us, we call his name Emmanuel. Dusty, where are you? Dusty's going to come and we're going to sing a few songs that celebrate the awesomeness of God and this idea of God being with us. Let's pray. Father, such a powerful and a simple story of this thing we know as Christmas. Such a well-orchestrated plan that you have that we celebrate and we are reminded through this season of Advent. And now, Lord, Lord Jesus, please, 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 from the depths of our heart, make it more real to us, more real than we've ever experienced in our natural lives. Will you stand with me as we sing? The significance of the incarnation of Jesus Christ is impossible to overstate. Through it, God intends to teach each of us beyond the mere observance of some custom, beyond Advent rituals, Christmas cantatas, and dreamy Christmas Eve candlelight services. These are only the starting place where we have envisioned an observance. The Holy Spirit waits to show us much, much, much more. So, you know, as we widen down the old year and and start ramping up for the new, I want to challenge you to create some more space for God in your life. Don't make it a New Year's resolution. Make it a habit. Make it a commitment of your will that you're going to create more space for God in your life. That you're going to let God be bigger in your life because we've made him too small. Hosanna in the highest is one deserving of our very best. He's calling us in this new year to be all in with him. Nothing held back. No reservations. Everything that we have to look for him in the simple things as well as the complicated. You know, it's interesting how religious we get when we're in trouble. Our prayer life comes alive. Oh, God, help me. 
But so oftentimes when things are just going okay or going really well, we just put God off to the sidelines and say, I'll handle it from here. What if in the fullness of his spirit, just, just what if we gave him rightful place in everything and to dependent on him as much in the good times as we desperately seek him when we're experiencing trouble? That's how I want to live. That's the kind of a church I want to be a part of. How about you? That's the people of God that he's made us to be. That's the community that he has formed us to be a part of, both here and around the world. You know, there's a famous preacher by the name of A.Z. Tozer. And he said, we're as close to God as we choose to be. Today, I want you to choose to be closer to God than you've ever been before. Make it a commitment of your will. Make it an action that you uh, want to be a part of a miraculous moment on a regular basis. So we can start recognizing the many miraculous moments as he reveals them in the simple things as well as in the complicated It is by being awake to God in us that we can increasingly see God alive and at work in the world around us. You know, as a closing proclamation, I want us to take some action on this. So Todd, can you help me? Um, Could could a couple of you get strong guys? I need need five strong guys. Just move these first six benches. Can Can you help me, Danny? Can you help me? There's some more strong guys here. For all the rest of you, we're not calling you wimps. I just want this first row out. Just move it off to the side. Nobody sits in it anyhow. <laughs> See, and if I would have pulled it out before, then you would have all been in the back row. Okay. We brought the, the Advent wreath out in front. The candles remind us of love, joy, faith, and hope. The white candle recognizes the coming of the Christ. He's here. He's real amongst us. What I want to do is I just want to invite you all forward to surround the Advent wreath. Just come on forward. It's okay. You can come out from your chairs. You can leave your stuff. It'll be there. Well, I don't know. Some of you, you might check your wallets before you go. But <laughs> What kind of a church is this? Yeah. Anyone that would have me as a member of that church is questionable, right? You see, because as a closing proclamation, I'd like for us to just uh, think about what God is alive and doing in our life. And do we experience the fruit of his spirit, the love and the joy and the peace, the faith, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control, the fruit of the spirit that the Bible talks about that is represented by the Advent wreath, reminding us not only the the coming of the birth of Christ, but of his return and how we're to live empowered until we see him again, whether it's in heaven or whether it's here on earth when he comes back physically. So I just want you to put your hand on the person in front of you so that we're not inwardly focused, just praying for ourselves, but pray for this person in front of you. And you might not know their name. You might not like their hair color. They might not have any hair. 
But we just pray about for the impartation of the Holy Spirit to be alive and well in their life. That they would experience in a fresh and a new way, beginning right now because your hand is on them and God is working through you, that they would experience Emmanuel. God with us and in us, working through us in a way that we've never experienced before. Holy Spirit, we ask that you pour out your presence. We've sang, holy, holy, holy and majestic are you in everything and everyone. Now, Lord, continue to do your work in us that we might reveal Emmanuel to the world as you reveal yourself to us in a more full way, walking in the fruit and the fullness of your Holy Spirit. Let this blessing come. Would it be a fresh Pentecost for us today, Lord Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, even when some of us don't fully recognize what that might be or what that would look like. I pray, Lord, that you would show us yourself through miraculous moments, big and small, now and for all eternity. And the people of Quest Community Church said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, let it be so. We say this, amen and amen. Greet the person that you're touching and uh, just just describe to them that you can see the Spirit of God in them. And be blessed. Happy New Year. Go in peace in the fullness of God and the Lord. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at gotoquest.org.